Jeannie, there are these really funny videos on Instagram that of where they take these rock concerts and they take out all the music and they dub over what you would hear if you didn't have music. And so it's just a bunch of men running around grunting and stuff like that. And that's what, what the offering was like. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's why we have music. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Joe and Jerry didn't grow up. But, but you know, you, don't, you get used to hearing that every Sunday, and then when you don't hear it, it's like, man, this is just the strangest thing. Dude. But, uh, but it was strange too. But in, in, other words, in other words, we love you and we appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> Well, as we begin our time in God's Word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the time that we've enjoyed in worshiping together and singing praises and praying together, hearing from your Word as we've read it. Uh, Lord, we pray now that as we hear your Word proclaimed, that you would change our hearts, that you would work through the Word that is preached to correct us and reprove us, to lead us in the way that is right and good. Lord, that we might patiently wait on you, that we might be vigilant as we watch for the return of Christ and as we are mindful of and watch, uh, are watchful of the works of Satan. Father, I pray that you would bless us now in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 as we continue to look at uh, what it is to be a disciple as we define what a disciple is. And we've moved, last week we moved from the being of a disciple, the, the basically the... Uh, who we are in Christ and our identity in Christ to now what a disciple does. And so last week we saw that a disciple follows Jesus wherever he might lead. And so today we move to the second action of a disciple. Uh, A disciple is called to uh, wait, to be diligent in our waiting on the Lord. And so today I want you to understand that a disciple is called to be vigilant by waiting for the return of Christ and by being watchful of the works of Satan. So we're to be vigilant, we're to watch and to wait for Jesus' return, and we're to be wary of, to be watchful of, the works of Satan in this world. And to see that, we're going to look at a very famous passage from Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at verses 36 through 46 as we consider the theme of watchfulness today. So Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, let's read that passage together. It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the sons, the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And, go, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, 
If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So there are two things that I want you to see from this passage this morning. First, I want you to see the purposes of vigilance. And second, I want you to see the practices of vigilance. So first, let's notice the purposes of vigilance. So this passage covers a very famous incident in the life of Jesus, as all of you are familiar of the story of him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. Uh, Very famously, he sweat drops of blood. Uh, And there's so much going on in this passage. I could I could say so much about it, but I want to focus on Jesus's interactions with his disciples. Since we're studying what it is to be a disciple, let's focus on what Jesus says to his disciples. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus is the son of God. He is, as the Nicene Creed says, very God of very God. He is one with the father. He knows and has the mind of God. And so he knows what's coming. We've already seen that he knows what's coming. He told his disciples on multiple occasions. And as we studied last week from Matthew chapter 16, he tells them that he is going to Jerusalem, that he's going to be crucified and that he is going to rise again. And so he's just sat just in the last few hours. He's just sat at the Last Supper with his betrayer, Judas, and he's identified him, pointed to him and told him that he was going to be, betray him. And he sent him away to do the purposes that God has ordered for him to do. And so now there's nothing left to do but wait. There's nothing left to do but watch for the moment that God has ordained for Jesus to face crucifixion and resurrection. And the, and he, the, the dread that Jesus must have felt is just unbelievable to think that he has purposed this very moment. He has set all the wills into motion to know the pain that he will bear and the rejection that he would carry and to know the sorrow that his own disciples, his dearest friends will face. And in this moment, there is nothing to do but to watch and to wait. To watch and to wait for that terrible moment that would change the course of all of history. And so in that waiting, he calls his disciples to do the same thing. And there are two purposes that Jesus calls his disciples to as they are called to be vigilant. First, he calls his disciples to watch for the end. In verse 38, he says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Now, it's important to catch that Jesus is not calling his disciples to serve as bodyguards. He's not calling his disciples to defend him. In fact, you know the story of Peter bearing his sword and cutting off the the uh, high priest servant's ear, he, and Jesus rebukes him for that. Jesus is not calling them 
to be defenders or to be security guards or to be watchmen, to sit there and watch for Judas to come. Notice he says that he wants them to watch with him. Not for him, but with him. He is calling them to watch not for Judas, but for God. He's calling them to watch for the timing of God when He will accomplish the forgiveness of sins through the sacrifice of Jesus and the defeat of Satan on the cross. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells His disciples to watch six different times. And all six deal with the coming of His kingdom. So three of them are used right here in the passage that we just read. But another three are used in three chapters, in Matthew chapter 24 through 26. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 and 43, he tells his disciples to, quote, stay awake, which is the same Greek word as what we have here for watch, because they do not know the hour of the Lord's second coming. In Matthew chapter 25, he tells the parable of the ten virgins who were waiting on their bridegroom to come. And they were to keep their lamp lit as they waited on their bridegroom to come. Well, five of those virgins kept their lamp lit and the other five let it go out. They were unfaithful while the other five were faithful to wait and to watch on their bridegroom. So... At the end of that passage, Jesus says in verse 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour of the Lord's coming. So to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means to watch with patience for His return. We wait with anticipation for the day when all things will be made new. We wait with hope for the day when God will right every wrong and will bring justice and peace. Waiting means that we hold loosely to this world. Waiting means that we don't get distracted by the cares of this world. We don't get distracted by uh, having enough in retirement. We don't get distracted by uh, what our children are going to become. We don't get distracted by all of the things that the cares of this world might weigh us down with. Instead, we focus like a laser beam on the fact that Jesus is coming again and we need to watch and wait for that day. Now, certainly there are times when we need to stand for what is right. Certainly there are times when we need to fight injustice. But we do so recognizing that only the return of Jesus Christ can bring true justice. And yes, there are times when we need to pursue peace. But we do so knowing that the only way that we can have true peace is when Christ returns to bring about the fullness of his kingdom. And that he will bring in that day lasting peace in his new, or new heavens and new earth. You see, I think there is a habit that we have as we wait on the Lord to think that we can have a perfect utopia right here in our nation and in our world if we just get the right formula of politics and laws and 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 social reforms done then we will have a perfect world in which there will be no sin no corruption no evil 
And while we ought to fight for those things, while we ought to stand for what's true, we need to be careful that we don't uh, think fall into the trap of thinking that this world is all there is. That this world is all we have and we need to fight to make it what we want it to be. Because there is a world coming. There is a world coming that Christ will bring and we need to wait and to watch for it. So to be a disciple of Christ is to watch with patience for His return. Second, Jesus calls His disciples to watch for evil. In verse 41, Jesus rebukes His disciples because they failed to watch by saying, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knows that the next two days will wreck his disciples. They will flee in fear. The chief among them, Peter, will deny his Lord and Savior three different times. They will be tempted to abandon the faith altogether, to give up on this way of discipleship. And so Jesus calls them to watch and to pray that they may not fall into temptation. So to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we are to be vigilant against the attacks of Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Being watchful of Satan's attacks means that we aren't naive little children, but we are wise and mature. It means that we know the truth of God's Word and we're able to stand boldly on it. It means that we are able to identify false teaching. We're able to identify when we're called to compromise on that teaching. We're able to identify deception, whether it be a false false prophet or whether it be a friend that is leading us astray. We're able to recognize temptation and to call people out on it and to call it what it is. So these are the purposes of vigilance. But I want you to notice what the practices of vigilance are. And that's my second point, the practices of vigilance. I want to show you two practices of vigilance from the text that we have today. The first practice of vigilance is that of prayer. Notice that twice in verses 36 and 41, Jesus calls his disciples to pray as they watch with him. Now, from an earthly point of view, if we were just thinking of what we should do as we wait, the, it seems that vigilance and prayer are two opposite things. Because when I say the word vigilant, I'm sure you're thinking that that implies that I should wait, uh, that I should be watchful, that I should be defensive, that I should be attentive, that I shouldn't, I shouldn't go to sleep, right? I should be always watching and, and protecting myself. Uh, vigilance has this idea of control, of being in control of the situation, or at least looking so that you're in, in control when something happens. And prayer seems to be none of those things. Prayer is giving up control. It's letting go of control. But for the disciple of Jesus, prayer is an act of watchfulness. Prayer admits that God is in control. 
and will bring things to pass in his own time. Prayer is a submission to the will of God, a willingness to wait on the work of God. Prayer is the belief that God is able and willing to defend his people and to keep his promises. So Paul says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And think about the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray, right? In the, in the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Jesus is teaching his disciples as they pray to be watchful, to pray for his kingdom to come, to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how does he go on to pray? Keep us from temptation, right? Deliver us from temptation. Jesus teaches us in his prayer, in his Lord's prayer, to watch for his coming kingdom and to watch for the works of Satan. He teaches us to do that, to be vigilant through prayer. The second practice of vigilance is sober-mindedness. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus calls his disciples to watch and pray, but all they can stand to do is sleep. He goes to them two different times and he finds them asleep. Now, if, if... they had comprehended what was about to happen. I know for a fact, because if I were in their shoes, I would have done the same thing. If they had comprehended fully what was about to happen, they would have been awake. They would have anxiously watched and prayed. But because they were more concerned about the here and now, because they didn't understand what Jesus had told them, because they didn't understand what he was about to do, they fell asleep. They should have been sober and focused. You see, the disciple of Jesus Christ is called to be sober. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6 says, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. You see, people who are consumed by the cares of this world, they're like people who walk around drunk. They're like people who are distracted and uh, unable to focus. They are like people who are looking at the world through a lens that is hazy and foggy because they are not looking at it through the spiritual eyes of Jesus Christ. They are blinded by their sleepiness. They are blinded by their drunkenness, spiritually speaking, so that they cannot see the fact that they need to repent They need to trust in Jesus Christ and they need to wait on his return. Instead, they live as if they will never die, even though death always swirls around uh, around them. But the disciple is called to be awake and to be sober. We're not to be distracted by the cares of this world. We're not to be drunk on the allurements of this age. Our mind is to be set on the things of Christ. So friend, understand that judgment is coming. You can pretend that it won't happen, but the day is coming. Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. And when He does, will you be found drunk and asleep, distracted by the cares of this world, 
Or will you be found awake and sober, watching for his return? Won't you repent of your sins and follow him today? Brothers and sisters, as disciples, we are called to be vigilant in prayer and soberness. Now, it's been my experience that Christians aren't very good, at least Christians in America, we aren't very good at watchful waiting because we feel like we need to be doing something. We need to be doing something to to, uh, fix America. We need to be doing something to uh, lead this, this country in righteousness or to bring it back to the way it was. You see, when we see evil in the world, when we see signs of the return of Christ, there's a strong tendency to think that we can do something about that. If we just vote the right way, if we just pass the right laws, if we just correct every wrong, then we can make this nation righteous again. Now, certainly, there's a time for voting. And there are time for, there's time for correcting evil. And there's times for passing the right laws. But what concerns me is that we seem to find more use in those practices than in the practices that God has called us to do. Because if the world is going to be righted, God must do it. There is no politician in this world that can make this world a righteous place. There is no law that we can pass that will ever make this world righteous and holy before the the Lord our God. The only person who can do that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there will be a day when He returns to make all things new and to bring peace and justice as it can only be known in Him. And we are called to wait and to watch. And what we do as we wait and watch is we pray. We pray. And what's disturbing to me is that our first reaction when we see evil on the news or when we see corruption in our government or when we see uh, something that is not the way it should be in our society, instead of hitting our knees and praying, we complain and we post on Facebook and we, uh, we, we talk politics and we think that we can elect the right person to change it when we should be praying fervently for God to work. It is only through God's work that we will see change in this world. And that change will ultimately and finally happen when Christ returns. When we see evil, we should pray. When we see oppression, we should pray. When we see deception and totalitarianism, we should pray. So may we stay awake, watching and praying as we wait on the Lord. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call of Christ that we should be vigilant. Lord, I pray that we would be vigilant. We would watch and pray. That we would be uh, prayerful and sober-minded as we identify the evils in this world and as we pray that you would have victory over them. And Lord, as we are, are mindful of your return and we watch and we wait, we see signs every day of the birth pains of your coming. And Lord, we pray that you would, uh, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we continue to worship. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.